Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Hello, Gotham. Joker's back in town. I'm not wearing hockey pants. And now you're listening to the new and improved Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast with your host, Alfred. No! What is going on, OTC listeners? Another episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast is in your life today. Guys, 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 do you hear that? Do you feel that? Do you feel the electricity that's running down into your body? Do you feel the anticipation that is building for so long? It is the final week. Just a few more days until Spider-Man No Way Home. Holy shit balls! How the hell did we come to this conclusion? I won't say a conclusion, but how in the hell did we, you know, arrive here? You know, did we just web swing all that shit? It's to the point where it's like, wow. I'm so excited that all I really want to do is just go to work, come home, go to sleep. Just for tomorrow to appear right away. You ever get those moments? Like you ever get those moments where as a kid you were so excited for something to come. Like maybe it's Christmas or Halloween or whatever holiday. Or even your birthday. Something along those lines, right? And then you have this mentality of going to sleep early just for something to happen quickly. That used to be me, that used to be my mentality back in the day. But if I did that then everything that I should be doing in terms of voiceover, in terms of marketing, in terms of auditioning, anything along those lines is just pretty much wasted. And I don't want to do that. You know, it's one of those moments where we have to be patient. We have to be patient. We have to be conservative, so to speak. And we have to be, it, it's, it's good to build the anticipation. It's good to, you know, just let it build. You just let it pump in and pump in and pump in until we can't pump no more. I don't know what the hell I'm saying anymore. <laughs> I'm excited, guys. I'm excited. And hopefully you are too. I hope to God you are too. So, wow, just a few more days away. You want to know what's funny? I originally bought my ticket. I was in Puerto Rico. And I originally bought my ticket when I was over there for Friday evening. Friday at 6 o'clock. That's when I'm going to be watching the movie. Just yesterday. Today's Tuesday right now. So, yes. Just yesterday... My lazy panda decides to call me up from her school because she has a night school. And she goes, is 9 o'clock good for you on Thursday? And I'm like, wait, what? Wait, what? 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 What the hell are you trying to say? And she goes, is Thursday night good for you at 9 o'clock? And I had no idea what she was saying at first. And then she screenshotted and sent me a WhatsApp image. And it turns out she bought two extra tickets for Spider-Man to appear to for us to go Thursday night. And when she came home later on, I asked her, I'm like, wait, why? Like what? And she and she was honest. I want to see it with you. I want to see it with you. And I don't want you to be alone. And I want to see the movie, too. Plus, I want to spoil you. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, damn. Now now I have to do something extra, extra special for Christmas. Now I have to do something extra, extra special. 
Guys, you you know what I'm trying to say, right? It's like when your wife or your girlfriend wants to do something great for you and they do and then you have to like overstep what they did. Like you have to go far and beyond what they did to put a smile upon their face. You know, it's now now I'm in that territory. So, yeah. <laughs> that oh, that whole story just basically pointed out I'm going to see the movie twice back to back. Thursday night and Friday evening. Possibly one more time during the weekend if and only if the movie turns out to be spectacular, which I'm sure by far it is. But that's just a couple more days away. And if you remember it, if you have listened to my last podcast episode on episode 153, by the way, let's get this out right now. I want to give a huge shout out and once again to a huge thank you to my guest for my last episode, Gabriel Rosenberg. In reflection from the last podcast episode, and maybe he's listening to this if he if you are, what's up, man? Hope you're doing good. This kid, I've never ever met a kid that not only was more passionate, but was knowledgeable about the things that is going on. You know, like I was afraid that he would be shy throughout the entire episode. And it just took him just a couple of minutes for him to be comfortable with what we're talking about. We clearly knew a lot of things from inside and outside of what goes on behind the scenes. And he has more knowledge on the comic book aspect than I do, which I find very awesome because I always want to talk to someone that can not only I school me is not the word I would say challenge me. That could challenge my way of thinking. I could have uh, have me think about something outside the box. You know what I mean? Like have a different perspective. And that's what this podcast is about. It's about looking at the other side of the coin. Looking at it from a different perspective. See if we can deliver the content to you. And see if we could talk about it. Like two grown men. He was young. God damn when he was young. But hey. Sometimes the young ones are the brighter ones. And when I say brighter, I mean they're the smarter ones. You know that show, are you smarter than, are you smarter than a fifth grader? No, I am not. And I can honestly say that. And that's all there is to it. But yes, yeah, huge shout out to Gabriel. Dude, thank you once again for being an awesome guest. I would love to have you back on. And I know we briefly spoke about it that maybe we could do a review, uh maybe a spoiler review. Sometime next week, if you're listening, if you feel up to it, and, you know, maybe I could get one other person, maybe I can get two people, and we can all have, like, a conversation about it. I don't know if it's going to work, but I'm just throwing it out there. I'm sending out the spidey signal. I'm sending out the bat signal for the spidey signal. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know what I mean. All right, let's not drag this on anymore. Let's go into the meat of this podcast. What the hell are we going to talk about? Well... Considering that we have, well, I personally have three nights left and I have two more movies to talk about and I normally do a podcast episode Tuesday nights, sometimes Friday nights, I'm not going to lie, sometimes Friday nights. How the hell do I can, how the hell can I fit in two more movies into one setting? Well, maybe I can, since I've already reviewed the movies as of recently before, like what, last year or the year prior, what I want to do this time is to have both movies because, you know, let's face it, they're more or less the same in terms of what I think about them. And my opinions from the reviews back then 
did not really change as much. Not to mention, I don't want to overexhaust myself by doing another podcast episode before Friday night when I actually review it. Don't worry, it'll be spoiler free, but I feel like that's what I'm going to do. So think of it as killing two birds with one stone. You know what I mean? And that's all there is to it. And I'd say before we do that, let's get a couple news, just a couple out of the way. And let's get right down to it. So with that being said, since I gave out my shout out, let's dive right in. Right in a moment. You know, with all this love on Spider-Man and with the huge anticipation of the movie that's coming out literally at the end of the week, there are parts of me that feels bad a little bit that I haven't really given DC Comics or any other independent comics, movies, or anything like that some, you know, any love or attention. And, you know, you can't really help it because there's just been so much that's been going on and it's one of those moments where it's like, Alright, you'll get your time to shine with the Batman coming out early next year or some video games coming out soon. So, you know, there is that. Speaking of video games, one of the news that I find very intriguing. Last week, the Gaming Awards, the Game Awards 2021, actually, uh, they released a few trailers. One of them, of course, that caught my eye was Wonder Woman. Yes, Warner Brothers is now releasing a solo Wonder Woman game. But the difference is, it's not made by Rocksteady from Warner Brothers. And it's not made by Warner Brothers Montreal like WB, I'm sorry, like Gotham Knights. I was about to say WB Gotham Knights, that doesn't make any sense. But yes, um, the gaming developers are actually from, let's see if I pronounce this, Monolith? Mon- mon- monolith? 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 Yeah, I'm sure it's Monolith. Yep. Monolith Gaming. Monolith Productions. There we go. Monolith Productions. And Monolith is owned by Warner Brothers. They've been producing games since 1994. Now, according to my notes, this studio is best known for the Fear series which is interesting, and the Middle-Earth Shadow of Mordor and Middle-Earth Shadow of War titles from the Lord of the Rings. Now, I kind of had a little bit of a concern when I heard Marvel's Avengers was made by Square Enix, or at least the developers were made by Square Enix and Crystal Dynamics. Then I saw the gameplay and I thought, This game is not going to be as fun as I think it was. And then I played it, and to my knowledge, I was correct. I'm not saying this Wonder Woman game is going to be similar to that. But I have played one of the Lord of the Rings games before. I completely forgot which one it was because it was so long ago. And I do remember playing Fear. So if there's going to be any similarities in terms of the gameplay of those games, then hopefully we can get something along the lines of a great gameplay and great content when it comes to Wonder Woman. Especially since she is the type of character that essentially is a demigod. She is an immortal-like being. So the game has to portray that in the strongest of ways as best they can. 
Now, I'm not saying that they have to copy off of Batman the Arkham games or the Spider-Man games from an Insomniac. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, if you want a game like that to be as good, if not better, which I don't think it will be, as its predecessors, then you're going to have to go balls to the wall in terms of gaming development and everything else in between. Now, I'm not a gaming expert, and I don't ever portray myself to be one. There are a lot of things that can go on behind the scenes that not even I know about. All I do is just report the news or report whatever that comes my way. So, the game is in development, and it won't be coming out until, I would say, around 2023, if that. So, with that being said, I'm thinking maybe... I'm I'm keeping my fingers crossed, basically. I'm trying to keep my fingers crossed, and hopefully they know exactly what they're doing. And it's one of those moments where all we can do now, literally, is wait and see. And that's the thing, and that's the really, really the bump thing about it, too. It really bumps me out when... We can only speculate, we can only know more in terms of what goes on. So, you know, it it is what it is, and we can only move on for that. Speaking of Gotham Knights, which I just said earlier, apparently Gotham Knights, there's a Gotham Knights series in the works at the CW Network. Yes, the Woke Arrowverse Network, and yes, I'm calling them Woke because that's exactly what they are. The Woke Arrowverse Network is now developing a Gotham Knights series, which in a way is, I don't know if it expands the video game that's coming out soon, but, <laughs> oh my goodness, where, 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 do, where do we even begin? Where, where do we be... So, so according to the report, and this is made from, uh, this was written by Batman News. So, they're pretty legit in terms of writing their news articles. Hollywood Reporter basically said that even though Gotham Knights, which is the same title to the video game, has no, no relation to the video game whatsoever. And I'm thinking to myself, huh, you're copying off a name from a video game that's most likely going to get more recognition than anything else. You are copying possibly its own storyline, even though I don't know how you can get your hands on that. Maybe you know someone, maybe you don't. Oh, and it's made by the woke CW Arrowverse network that mostly focuses on diversity, representation, and other wokeness type of beings and shit like that. Yeah. Where can we go wrong? Where can we go? Let me put my phone down. Let me put my notes down for a second. Okay? Where where can everything go wrong? Ah, oh boy. Let's look at the positives. We can actually see the sons of Batman in terms of Robin, Red Hood, Nightwing, and Batgirl all together. And chances are, from memory serving correctly, the synopsis would be Batman is murdered, uh, someone has been framed for it, framed for his murder, and now they are all trying to work together in order to find out who the killer is. You know? And like I said, that's completely based on memory. I don't know if all of that is accurate or not, but I would not be surprised if that is not accurate or not. But then you have to look at it from another perspective where it's like, well... These are the same people that pretty much made all the other shows that really focused more on 
the emotional dynamic where it was completely unneeded. And when I say emotional dynamic, I mean the whole thing about representation with sexual orientation and everything that goes on where it's either a love again, off again, love again, off again type of a thing. Where let's face it, the CW, they're kind of known for that. They're known for drama. It's it's almost like teen drama, but it's it's one of those rom- romance type of dramas. And for a long time, when I was watching Arrow, that's all it was portraying. So I'm really hoping if this does uh, it clearly it has a green light. If this does, if this does, that doesn't even make any sense. If it does go through and it's not canceled like some other shows from the past, it's not canceled, they actually go through with it. I'm trying to be hopeful. I really am. But I can already tell this has way too many red flags, especially since we're getting the game literally like within a year. We're getting the fucking game within a year. And let's face it, gameplay-wise, would probably tell a way better story than it would for a show-wise. How much you want to bet? I'm I'm willing to bet... I, I don't know who wants to bet me, but I'm willing to bet that they're going to do a test pilot and then they're going to scrap it out and put it underneath the rug and be like, yeah, this was a bad idea. We're not doing this anymore. Case in point, the Powerpuff Girls. Do you Did you guys see... The pilot script for the Powerpuff Girls, for the live-action Powerpuff Girls, and I'm sure they were made by CW too. Oh my God, what it it, dude, dude, it was bad. I'm getting tongue-tied here. It was bad. So it is what it is. Like you can't really, you can't really do anything much. You really can't. But anyway. I did say that I wanted to give some DC Comics some love, and I think I gave a little bit more than I did. Let's go into our Spider-Man. We will review Homecoming and Far From Home. Let's see how much we can cover in the next 10 to 15 or even 20 minutes. Let's do this right now. When I remembered watching Spider-Man Homecoming and Far From Home, I thought to myself, okay, how could these movies differ from what we've seen with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield? And I guess looking back on it, maybe I was a little bit too harsh on Andrew Garfield because even though the worst movies of the entire franchise had probably arguably the one actor that was probably more passionate than everybody else. In other words, there's argument to be made that Andrew Garfield was more passionate about being the Spider-Man character than Tobey Maguire and Tom Holland. And maybe that's not really a knock against the other actors because they, they did what they did and they were given what they were given. They were given a script, they were given directions, they were given everything to take what they could and bring the character of Spider-Man to life. 
Now, I hear tons of arguments about this all the time. Where when you have Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man to be more nostalgic, he represents more of a nerd, he represents more of someone that is beaten down to shit, especially when it came to Spider-Man 2. Still the best movie of the entire franchise. But the Spider-Man was, I don't know if you could say very rigid, or maybe Spider-Man 3 kind of ruined his character a little bit with all the whininess and everything else that goes on in between. It was just too much, especially with the script that they were given, as I just said. Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, on the other hand, you didn't really buy him as Peter Parker that much. And remember, I was watching, I watched The Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 with one day apart from away from each other. One week apart, I'm sorry, not one day, one week apart from each other. And I can still remember the... They were given moments where they couldn't speak very well or there were times where you just had dialogue between actors and and the characters, in this case with, you know, Peter and Gwen Stacy, and they couldn't even form sentences with each other. A lot of people thought that was cute, and I thought, eh, get on with it. Like, tell her what you're going to tell her. Like, fucking get on with it. You know, that's neither here nor there. What I'm trying to say is, if you look at what makes these two separately from Tom Holland, you can say this, and I, you do not have to agree with me on this, but this is what constitutes in my eyes. Tobey Maguire is the perfect, I'm sorry, not perfect, is a better Peter Parker than Spider-Man. Andrew Garfield is a better Spider-Man than Peter Parker. Tom Holland is the best combination of both. And for some weird reason, I could not really connect to him that much because I was still nostalgic from the past two franchising films in terms of Sam Raimi's films and Mark Webb's films. Tom Holland portrayed a Peter Parker that is it's the same thing, doesn't have a break, um, is young, obviously. He's a young Spider-Man and Spider-Man... and. Th- that's the thing about Disney. They really wanted to go into his roots. They wanted to focus more on his roots on being a young Spider-Man. Because when he was recruited by Tony... Uh, I was about to say Tony Hawk. When he was recruited... <laughs> the skateboarder, wow. When he was recruited by Tony Stark in Captain America Civil War, he explained that he's only had the power for about six months. So he was still new. He was still new on everything. And then Homecoming came through. And then we finally saw the development between his character. Where he's naive. He's you know in over his head. He's trying to do the right thing. He's trying to be a hero. He's trying to do whatever he can to impress Tony Stark. Now my opinion of this has not changed. From the last episode. From months of watching the movies. My opinions have not changed. I feel like. Spider-Man has been given a huge disservice when he went over to Disney. I understand the record deals. I understand the box office numbers. I understand the popularity. I understand the fact that Spider-Man is a huge household name and he will forever will be one, especially when it comes to family-friendly content. However, as the character of him being handed his suits, handed help, handed opportunities to do what he does, it felt like 
I was not watching Spider-Man. I was watching Iron Man's successor. And there's a huge difference. Because even though Spider-Man himself. I believe Andrew Garfield even had um, a conversation at one point during an interview where he said his Spider-Man would never agree with Tony Stark's antics. But Tom Holland's does. And in the context of the movie of Homecoming, it actually made sense. So, back to what I was saying before. And I'm going to keep saying this till I'm blue in the face. I don't really care. Spider-Man is the type of character where he's always alone. Yes, he has Aunt May. Yes, he has Mary Jane. Yes, he has, you know, his supporters, you know, in his closed circle. But when it comes to his adventures or when it comes to him doing any heroic stuff, he's always been alone. And in Homecoming, I feel like he's been given way too much help ever since he got and handed the suit. Now, there was at one point where the suit was taken away from him. If you remember, you know, he was messing up. He tried to get the boat thing back together, which is, which is in, I, I believe it was a homage to Tobey Maguire Spider-Man of doing the train scene. So there was that. And it wasn't until that moment where after his suit was taken away and he was still doing what he could to fend for himself and still doing the right thing, going after Vulture, going after, you know, his date's father at the time. And that was the moment where I thought to myself, okay, that's that's what I want to see. He doesn't depend on anybody. He do He does what he does for himself, by himself. I'm sorry, not for himself, by himself. One of the greatest scenes of the entire movie of Homecoming has to be the water scene, which is taking a page right out of the comics. The water scene, as you know, demonstrates the sheer will that Spider-Man has. And it's direct proof that he doesn't need the suit to be Spider-Man. He just is. So it was little moments like that where I can actually appreciate the character a lot more than anything else. Now... You can call me a homer. You can call me someone that's very nostalgic, that that pays attention too much to the past. Whatever, I, I get it, you know. I'm called by many things. I'm called by in, you know, so, all sorts of things. I feel like not mentioning or introducing Uncle Ben in some way, shape, or form was a huge disservice to Spider-Man in addition to everything that I just said. Granted, I get that Tony Stark is supposed to be Peter's surrogate father, but you have to remember what really drives him, what really starts his heroism is the fact that Uncle Ben died in his life. He suffered a huge loss. And the fact that we didn't have to do an exact scene of what we saw from you know, Tobey Maguire's or Andrew Garfield's scenes. No, we don't have to do that. But what I'm saying is, maybe have like a flashback. Maybe have like a mention, a brief mention. Peter's saying to Ned, you know, what everything that Aunt May has been through. I get it. The movie is relying on a fan's knowledge of Spider-Man in order to put the pieces together. I understand that. But I feel like it could have done more for the character and for us as the audience if we've just seen Uncle Ben. If we've seen Uncle Ben, maybe seen a picture, maybe uh, have a mention, maybe have moments every now and then where Aunt May cries, you know, because she misses 
her husband, she, uh, she misses Benjamin Parker. Little moments like that. And I feel like the Disney movies kind of dropped the ball on that. Which is weird and it's interesting because it wasn't until years later with Marvel's What If. And I get it. It's another storyline. I completely understand. But remember, the Marvel What If storyline, according to the developers of the show, was canon to the MCU. So if it's canon, that means we're going to put it right into the timeline. Maybe not their timeline, but you know what I'm trying to say. It's very weird that it took a couple of years for the developers of Disney or even of the show in general to actually mention the loss of Uncle Ben in addition to the loss of Tony Stark. And I feel like they could have used that as a catalyst for him to continue to try to be who he is and what he does. Hopefully I'm using that word in the right context. I never really understood if I did or not. So we go through Homecoming. And we go through, you know, him being the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, right? And he's trying to do whatever he can to ensure that he can have another mission like he did what what happened in Budapest. Not Budapest. It wasn't Budapest? No, it wasn't Budapest. Um, Berlin. There we go. Ber- Germany. There we go. Not Budapest. I'm thinking of Hawkeye. Not Budapest. Berlin. You know, he's trying to appease to happy. He's trying to, you know get in touch with Tony Stark again. He wants to prove himself. You know, he only did one mission, but now he wants to prove himself. He has that rush. He has that itch of doing what he wants to do, do what he was meant to be. And throughout the entire movie, all it was was about him trying to be the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, to handle things on a low scale, you know? So I commend the movie for that. I really do. Especially since you've already introduced all these other characters. Now you have no choice but to try to have some interaction between them and everybody else. What I did like about Homecoming was the twist on the father. The conflict that is right in the middle between Vulture and Spider-Man actually goes more than anything else. Which has to be appreciated. Because I remember I complained and we're going to get into Far From Home in just in a bit. I complained that the villains were more connected to Tony Stark than they are with Spider-Man. But what connects Vulture to Spider-Man is the Vulture's daughter, Liz. And that was the key moment where she was a bridge that basically put these characters together. He wants to wreck shit up. Spider-Man is in his way. Spider-Man has to do whatever he can to stop him. And he realized that in order for him to do the right thing, he would have to sacrifice the things that he wants most. Quoting Spider-Man 2. And the whole ending on, you know, Zendaya being MJ, being the MCU's version of MJ. Other people were all up in arms about it. We're like, oh, okay, I, I get it. All right, MJ. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, Michelle James. Cool. And I just moved on. Like, I didn't think too much about it. And I get it. You know, different storylines, different worlds. I get it. If you're going to have different characters, whatever, it is what it is. Do I miss the trademark red hair? Sort of. But now that I've seen the movies, fast forward to now, I don't really care about it too much. I really, I really, really don't. Overall, as I said earlier... Tom Holland did and is doing a great job being this character. 
young, naive, doesn't get a break, wants to do the right thing, wants to ensure that he can appease his surrogate father, Tony Stark. You know, the fact that he replaced Uncle Ben with Tony Stark in his mind, I guess. Um, You know, Aunt May is still hot. Let's face facts here. She's still hot. Um, With that being said, Homecoming, it, it was great. Home, homecoming was good. You know, Homecoming was good. You know, that roller coaster is coming right back up again. Homecoming was good. Then we get to Far From Home. Again, it amazed me that the whole marketing aspect of Far From Home was Mysterio being an ally, that he was being a good guy, and they were facing off against the four elemental guys, you know, with uh, Hydro and Sandman possibly being one of them. And the marketing, oh, it fooled so many people. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, when's the heel turn? When's the heel turn? When, when, when at some point does he turn into a bad guy? Because we knew it was going to happen. We were not insulted by our intelligence. We knew it was going to happen. That Mysterio was going to be a bad guy. And then I remembered I said this back in a review at one point, And I still hold to this day. Taking Spider-Man out of New York was a bad decision. Granted, I get that we've already done that with Avengers Infinity War, Endgame, and Civil War. But the difference between that is Spider-Man was part of a group. New York, when it comes to Spider-Man, when it comes to any Marvel character, not all of them, but many, New York is a character of its own. There's something about New York that pushes our heroes into great strengths or can downplay them in their weaknesses. And what do I mean by that? Well, there's a couple of things. Imagine taking Batman out of Gotham. Imagine taking Superman out of Metropolis. Imagine taking Daredevil out of Hell's Kitchen. And you put him anywhere else. Granted, there have been shows and episodes that have done this already, but the environment that shapes these characters in terms of who they are and what they do, it's not the same when you put them in another setting. And this is why I liked Homecoming a little bit more than Far From Home. When Peter was in France and he was doing his thing and he was trying to stop Hydro, turned out to be a fake that he was trying to do what he could, it it didn't seem, the stakes were not as high as opposed to New York. Because in New York, there are people involved, there are innocent people inside their buildings, the destruction is not as intense as it is in France, because of, I guess, the small scales of buildings. The whole setting of France, it, it was just, it was weird to me. It really was. I I get this is like little nitpicky things, but again, imagine taking your favorite characters out of their normal setting and then put them anywhere else. It's kind of weird. It really is. I did not like the rushed chemistry dynamic between Peter Parker and MJ where there was nothing in between, no movie in between that got Peter to care a lot about MJ and then him starting to like her. Granted, I get it. It's Peter Parker and MJ, MCU's version of Mary Jane. 
They're supposed to be together. I completely understand. But the problem is in the context of the movies, there was no transition between Peter Parker liking someone, which he did with Liz, and then instantly switch over to MJ. There was no transition there. There was nothing there in between. So the fact that he went from a complete 180 from Liz all the way to MJ in just a matter of one movie with nothing in between for us to show that we actually care about this guy, kind of a dropping of the ball. It really is. It, they, they dropped the ball. So, yeah. I did not like that they pitted Mysterio as a clear connection to Tony Stark because, once again, as I kept saying this until I'm blue in the face, he's a direct villain to Spider-Man. Regardless of what his motivation is and regardless of what his reasoning is, I felt like this was another character that has a personal vendetta against Tony Stark. And once again, as Spider-Man being Tony Stark's successor, goes right into Spider-Man himself. Do you understand the problem that I have with, you know, choices like this? And then, as I said before, Spider-Man should not be having help from anybody else. What happened? He got help from Happy. He got help from fake Nick Fury and fake uh, Maria Hill. Maria Hill, right? I can't believe I forgot her name. But yeah, uh, Agent... Not Agent Coulson. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, Nick Fury's second-in-command. Even though they were never really there, there were scrolls. So it's like... Okay, I guess. Well, now... I, I felt like if you're going to have these characters push Spider-Man to be their best, to be his best... You would at least have the real character to do it. Granted, I understand once again that they've done that in other animated shows. But, to me it was kind of a slap in the face for that to happen. It really was. For Nick Fury and Maria to be scrolls when they were never really there the entire time. Or maybe they were and they switched. No, 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 no. They were never there to begin with. Also... The inconsistencies, the spider sense, that didn't come through until very, very later. And they called it the Peter Tingle. At first, I was against the idea of calling it the Peter Tingle and not the spider sense, which is supposed to be called the spider sense. I was against that. But then more and more as I think about it, I'm like, you know what? I'm okay with it because it's funny. And not everything should be taken seriously when it comes to Spider-Man in general. It's funny. You know, the, you, uh, come on, Peter Tingle, you can do this. You, you know, it's funny. It's cute. Especially when Happy and Aunt May pretty much made fun of, uh, made fun of the situation. They, it, it's cute. It's funny. Overall, I enjoyed Homecoming a little bit more than Far From Home. The reveal where Mysterio revealed, Tony, uh, again, with Tony Stark, Peter Parker to everybody else. And the reveal on the fact that he is now Spider-Man and now the whole world knows it is going to have huge ramifications as we already know. And we also know that in introducing J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson, I get it like a little girl where I'm like, oh my god, this is awesome. I was squeezing my girlfriend's hand and she had no idea what the hell was going on. She had, she had absolutely no idea. As I said, let me come to this conclusion. Far From Home and Homecoming 
were good movies. They were great movies. To me, they were not Spider-Man movies. I'm sorry. They, they, they're not to me. This is Tony Stark's successor. This is Iron Man basically... This is Iron Man 2.0. That, that's what it feels like to me when I watch these two movies. And I'm trying my best to not harper on these movies as I did before or trying to give it more of a chance. Because like I said, I did enjoy them and they were great. But me being a diehard Spider-Man fan, I, as I said with Gabriel on my last episode, and I've been saying it for months, I really want him to go back to Sony. I really do. I feel like Sony, granted they botched their Spider-Man films, I get that. And I was way too harsh on... Let There Be Carnage. I get that too. But after after this weekend's movie, after No Way Home concludes, what's going to happen after? The logical thing would be for him to have crossovers now with his rogue gallery, with Venom, with Morbius, with Kraven, hopefully with Black Cat because I would love to see her in the big screen. Maybe with Silk. Maybe Spider-Gwen can come into the mix. Maybe all, any other character can come into the mix the same way we're going to get the Sinister Six this weekend. So, again, if you're watching these movies back to back to back, you can enjoy them in some aspect. But there were just little nitpicky things that I didn't like. And only time will tell what's going to happen after this weekend. But boy, am I excited. Holy shit, am I excited. Because of the chance that we can actually see the three of them in one scene. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Oh, it's going to be awesome. That's all we have for today on this episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 Podcast. Once again, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. I know this podcast... I know these podcast episodes have been running close to an hour as of late. And maybe that's not a bother to you. Maybe it is. But you pretty much know if you want to fast forward to the things that I actually want to talk about, it's completely up to you. Hopefully, you know, you can let me know if I should put in timestamps, if I should put in, you know, anything to let you know when the subjects are done. It's completely up to you, so you can let me know. Whatever the case may be, thank you once again so much for listening. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, if you disagree with me in any way, shape, or form, you know what to do. Hit me up. Voice of Garcia on my Twitter or Instagram. Continue to like, share, subscribe the podcast on Spotify and iTunes. And that's all there is to it. Now, this is episode 154, which means there is a supervillain quote that we need to go to. And this one is from one of the main villains that will be coming in. How about, since this guy has been getting a lot of shine, how about some Dr. Octopus where he simply goes, Hello, Peter. Oof. And you know which Peter I think he's talking to. We know which one you think he's talking to. I'm gonna wait until the movie concludes. My final thoughts are this. This weekend, it's gonna be a blast. And I do not think it's gonna disappoint. The next time I come back, which will be on Friday... I most likely will be doing a spoiler-free review because I'll be watching the movie Thursday night thanks to my lovely Lazy Panda. And I will be watching the movie Thursday night and I will review it spoiler-free on Friday. I don't know how the hell I'm going to review it without spoiling anything, but 
It's a challenge, and I'm willing to accept it. With that being said, you guys know the drill. When it comes to movies, games, news, shows, or whatever the case may be, always remember, if you hear about it and you read about it, I talk about it, controversial or otherwise. Stay safe. Till next time, I'm done, I'm through, peace out.